Rules Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us imagining, get us connected, and perhaps inspired and do just a bit more because we've made the connection. Our show today is co-produced with our partners, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. And joining me as my co-host today is Asma Mohammed, who is the Advocacy Director at RISE. Welcome, Asma. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Lori? I am doing well. I thought of you when I was watching MSNBC and seeing all kinds of news on Minnesota updates throughout the night. I mean, we got national (laughs) attention. We did. We did. I mean, we deserved it because we had been working so hard, but... Well, it they, was a really tough election season. They they were tracking us like a dog. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure. we had yeah we had one of the most contentious and like anticipated elections um, that our city has ever seen, and uh, I think around the country people are looking here because there's so much going on. Well, I think they were particularly looking at the police reform and wanting to see if this was going to be a bellwether of change. Um, yeah. And and wanting to see which way the wind was blowing and, and how that was all getting manifested. But before yeah. we go there, um, why, why don't you just kind of frame it for our audience in terms of why you think uh, it's really important um, and why this election was extremely important for our, our Minneapolis, uh, especially our Minneapolis voters? Yeah, I mean, so we had elections in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but Nobody is really looking at St. Paul in the same way that they were looking at Minneapolis, even Mm -hmm. though some great things passed in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing was that last year we saw one of the most devastating things happen in our city. We saw a man murdered on film Mm -hmm. because of who he is, because he's a black man, because he was working class. Um, And our city was supposed to respond to what happened to him with compassion, with planning, with something different, with responding to community. And community has been asking for something different. And um, unfortunately, the the city hasn't really responded at all. The mayor hasn't responded. There have been individual city council members that have wanted to create some change. But, um, yeah, it it was really hard to watch kind of the status quo be upheld in so many different ways over the election. But the the entire country and the entire city were looking closely. I mean, if you lived in Minneapolis long enough, you know that these elections matter, but there has never been one that has been this tense ever, ever. One of the things, Not, one of the things that, that struck me was the fear around transforming something that needed to be transformed. And what surprised me was it wasn't being asked to do something that was all that much different than many other cities have done in terms of public safety. I live out in the western uh, part of our Hennepin County, and we have a public safety group. That's who we have. Um, Mm -hmm. It is not a model that is um, so far-fetched that we can't wrap our head around it. In fact, right in Hennepin County that we have public safety officers and peace officers. Yeah. Why do you... And that's... 
Go ahead. Why do you suppose that there was so much fear around it? Um, because that's what the mayor wanted. <laughs> it's what a lot of moneyed interest wanted to do. And they worked together very, very hard to make sure that this didn't pass. Um, there's a group that formed um, a little bit after the death of uh, George Floyd called Operation Safety Net. And that was uh, that was a group of a bunch of government agencies that came together to terrorize uh, protesters. But after that, it became um, Operation Safety Now. And it was a group that endorsed police or pro-police candidates. And they endorsed candidates that were specifically going to say no on Amendment 2, which was the one to reform the um, police department and turn it into a Department of Public Safety. But you're exactly right, Lori. There are cities all over the state and all over the country that have departments of public safety. I mean, this wasn't going to be... I mean, it was going to be something new, but it wasn't going to be something that exactly like you said, so far fetched that we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that showed in the results that 44 percent of our city voted to replace the current department with something new. Forty four percent isn't a small amount, especially for a campaign that started last December, or at least that's when I got on the campaign. Forty four percent of people in Minneapolis said, we want to see something new. We see a problem with what's happening. And we know that there were massive um, voter suppression efforts happening. The mayor kept going on saying people, telling people to, to vote no and that he had other plans. I mean, he's had years, years to show us what his plans were. Has he made any of them happen? No. During his tenure, we have seen very, very few officers, including Derek Chauvin, who were not fired, even though they had these marks against them. He hasn't done anything about it. So it's really disappointing to see that the amendment didn't pass. Um, but I think this also shows us that 44 percent is not going to be silent, no. and that we're going to continue holding conversations to make sure that those voices are heard throughout the city. Well, I have a question. There was um, That's the second question proposed establishing the system of public safety. The mm -hmm. First Amendment question proposed to increase the mayor's power. What what happened with that? That passed. That was another thing um, that the mayor pushed, saying that he didn't have enough power. And um, if you if you have read the charter and you know what the, the mayor does, he does. He is the chief um, of the chief of police. So he kept saying things like his hands were tied and the council wasn't letting him do things. That's absolutely not true. He's the only one who has power over the department, uh, the police department. Now what he does, he can do is he can appoint new heads of every agency in the city. He is the head. He is basically the, the chief of every department now. So he's um, essentially now the CEO of all the agencies. Exactly. And he kept saying that, oh, we can't have someone having 16 bosses um, because it's him and the council and somebody. And that kept be, that was continuously his argument that, you know, we, he shouldn't have to share power. Well, that's how a representative democracy works, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I kept hearing that argument thinking, that's so ridiculous. Imagine if the president was like, no, I don't want to share any of this power with anybody. Like there shouldn't be any. The, well, I, I think we, we did have a president that did that. <laughs> we did. We did. Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately. And so, and people did make that comparison saying mm. we are not, we are a representative democracy. So it, Exactly. If you have somebody um, that represents just one ward, which is the mayor, he, mm. he lives in, you know, downtown. 
Um, and he wants to take control. And the only people he's seeing are the people who live around him in these little, you know, the, the penthouses around him. Do you think that he is representing all of Minneapolis? No, he's representing the ward that he's from. That's why we have a city council. And that's why they are, they should, they are there to check his power and they no longer can check his power. That's well, what this did. What about the, that third question about the city council um, with the rent, rent control? Stabilization. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all this did, um, people think that rent stabilization passed. It did not. What this does is it allows the city council to enact rent control. So now they can cap um, rent um, increases. So in St. Paul, they, they had one that actually passed, and now it can't go up more than 3% um, a year. And before, it, there was no rent control. So And the mayor was against this as well in Minneapolis, um, but it passed thankfully. So now the council can enact some changes that would protect renters. And I think that's that's a huge win um, and hopefully will allow us to be able to protect renters more from landlords that don't want them to succeed. Well, <laughs> a lot to take in. In, in terms of this year in working um, with the whole municipal election, you said you joined, you'd say about six months ago, especially with looking at the um, the First and Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your overall feeling about where people are at? You did mention that that you're not going to – it's not going to end just because it, it did not pass. There's 44 mm-hmm. percent that are feeling strong. What are some of those plans? What are, what are folks talking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, for Minneapolis, we um, are, we're going to continue having these conversations because we know that sometimes it takes – um, it takes time for people to get comfortable with an amendment or comfortable with an idea. And I think that this was just the start of the conversation. I mean, last year or two years ago, something like this never would have gotten 44% um, favor in the city. So I think that's significant. And so we need to build that up. And um, we'll continue having community conversations with people. I think we're going to continue talking to council members um, and beyond that, making sure that we have a unified message around this. And I think the overall feeling that people have is that a lot of people are feeling hopeless, which happens after after tough elections. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we need to remember that this we have seen, unfortunately, far worse and that we can have hard days and we can have hard years, but we can also have really good ones if we if we try. Um, and I think that's what we're going to do is we're going to keep trying to to get a council and a mayor that represent us to have a charter in the city that represents us and to have a department of public safety that actually protects us. Well, we've got less than a minute here and I'd love to have you share with the audience one thing that you want or, or one or two things that you want them to think about um, during this time of ways that they can help, ways they can support, ways that they can learn um, so that you can build your uh, build your team for your uh, for working on this. Yeah. So I, I think that one thing that I kept noticing is that not enough people were talking to their neighbors and their friends. Um, and if you have been noticing, for example, that your neighbor has a yard sign up that you don't agree with, go talk to them about it. I mean, share share with your neighborhood because your neighborhood is seen as like an actual block, like a political mm-hmm. block mm-hmm. Um, and your ward. So that your neighborhood extends into your entire ward, your entire your precinct and then your ward. So talk to your neighbors and decide what you all want to see and what the differences are in what you guys are feeling um, 
around public safety. And I think that's really, really important because not all of us are on the same page, clearly. But if we start getting there and if we start getting and having those really, really tough conversations with each other, I think we are going to get somewhere somewhere new um, in the next election cycle. Thank you, Esma. And thank you for your insights and um, how we need to be looking to move forward and, and support a better future. In our next segment, Asma's going to be sharing with us about some of the newly elected and um, some good things happening there and, and how do we make sure that we keep mobilizing all of our communities. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And our show today is co-produced with our partners, the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RISE. And joining me as my co-host today is Asma Mohammed, who is the Advocacy Director. Welcome. We're glad you're here, Asma. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we had some results of the municipal election. Are we seeing more yeah. representation? Some. <laughs> so we have, um, in Minneapolis, we now have more people of color um, in the city council than ever. Oh, good. What we also need to note is that we have a, um, we have some more conservative people of color that were, that were not there before. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some new Democrat socialists that are um, on the council that weren't ever there before. And we have three of them. So that's really cool. And I think that we're going to see uh, some change, hopefully. But there are some there are some really conservative members of the council. We have that center block that's mm-hmm. going to be like the swing vote on most things. Right. And then we have a very liberal, progressive uh, block as well. well I've got so a question for you. Does, be- it, does it seem like then we've gotten both more liberal and more conservative on on the council? Yeah. Yes, huh. definitely. I, I can just imagine the... I mean, the conversations, the debates that are going to happen. And what I find really interesting, um, maybe isn't really interesting to anyone else, but the very, very progressive new members are the youngest people on the council. Interesting. Well, we're seeing that. I have great love and passion and and excitement seeing uh, the uh, millennials, but even more the Gen Zs uh, coming up. Um, they, They want progressive politics for the most part that I see. And yeah. and they want they don't even want to work at a place that doesn't have a good uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion statement. It's like close to 70% um, check out, make sure that they understand the policy of DEI before they'll they'll take a job someplace. So mm-hmm. yeah, that gives me great hope. I mean, yeah, they're they're smarter than I was back then. <laughs> I had to I had to work some some tough jobs before I decided. Wait a or minute, there's that some... they didn't value me. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this picture. Hmm. <laughs> no, they, yeah. I, I think it's I think we are all utilizing um, the internet and 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 being able to do deeper dives and making deeper decisions before we just take any job. And yeah, uh, I think the. Even the COVID helped with some of the reset, like, what am I really doing? And, mm-hmm. and how much of this has just been, you know, this is practice, this is habit, this is what we do. But, you know, why can't we start reimagining the way we work? And why can't we, as we talked about in the last segment, reimagine how we want to have public safety? 
Um, yeah. A lot of it, I think, is is taking the time to go. Let's let's reimagine this. We we do have the opportunity. We don't have to do. So I love that we're getting the opportunity to rethink so many of the things that we thought just were set in stone mm-hmm. um, around work, around public safety, around housing. All of this. I mean, our communities have changed drastically just in the way that we think, and I I think that's so notable. But I think you're right in terms of having. Uh, more representation of ideas, whether they be mm-hmm. both liberal and conservative, I think decisions are going to be uh, tougher to watch and see how how will they sort things out. I mean, even within um, you know the at our at our congressional level, at our our federal level, and looking at um, how the big tent of the Democrat Party has to come together and figure out how to do things. Um, yeah. How, how do we look at the, at the microcosm in the municipal uh, areas and how decisions get made? You said that you think that the central block will be a lot of the decision makers. Tell me more about what you think about that. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll talk through um, who got elected and um, and I'll kind of talk through through what I think about that. But even mm-hmm. when when the election results are coming in, of course, we're all kind of holding our breaths clenching our teeth, not breathing, taking very little water and sustenance into our bodies because we were stressed out. Um, And the thing that we realize is that there are some of those centrists that can be moved. And I'll I'll share who who those are. But I think that um, one is definitely um, Andrew Johnson, who is um, the Ward 12 council member. Another person that's really that shows up in the middle um, and can be can be can move on different issues is Andrea Jenkins, who's the Ward Eight Council Member. Jamal Osman can be, I mean, every now and then he he does some some, some nice things. <laughs> Ward Six Council Member, and those are those are the three that I think we're going to have to work really hard with, so that so they know that you know we're watching what they're doing and that we're we're looking for their support. Um, but and, and then I'll share. I'll, I'll just walk through um, who who won their elections. So sure. someone who's more progressive that won an election was Elliot Payne in Ward One. In Ward Two, we have a socialist Democrat or Democratic socialist that won, Robin Wansley Warloba, um, who, who worked really hard in this election to defeat an incumbent. And that incumbent was great, but Robin is even more progressive than that incumbent. Um, in Ward 3, we have Michael Rainville, who is uh, much more conservative than who was there before. Steve Fletcher was there before, and Michael Rainville is much, much, much more conservative. Steve Fletcher was seen as a progressive. In Ward 4, also, we have someone who supports landlords um, over renters and has mentioned that publicly several times, um, stood against the Yes for yes, yes for Minneapolis Amendment, Latricia Vita, who defeated um, incumbent Felipe Cunningham, who was a progressive. In Ward 5, we have Jeremiah Ellison, who's a progressive, um, shows up in mutual aid, shows up for renters, um, which is cool, and, of course, shows up in real public safety. In Ward 6, we have Jamal Osman. Ward 6 was a really tough election because there were not any really great progressive candidates, but he he won this election, and um, he is one of the swing votes, I think, that'll be on the council. In Ward 7, we have Lisa Goodman, who is, um, I'll say this publicly, an awful human, <laughs> just not a good person at all, mm-hmm. um, and does not listen to constituents, um, does not listen to really anybody, and I, but has a lot of money. Um, and I think that's part of um, how she continues to, to win these elections. In Ward 8, we have Andrea Jenkins, as I mentioned. Andrea um, 
can do some really great things and does some really awful things and is also that's re- why she is one of the swing votes um ward nine we have jason chavez who is another democratic socialist um which is really exciting and uh we talked a lot with community and i think is the youngest council member ever um which is really really cool in Ward 10, we have Aisha Shugtai, who is a Muslim woman that won her election, um, is a wonderful friend of mine and um, just an incredible person all around, but really excited to see what she does. Um, very progressive and has been in the labor movements for a very long time. Ward 11, we have Emily Kosky, who was supported by Operation Safety Now. So she is a um, pro-police, um, no-change candidate and was supported by them and kept kind of flip-flopping on her support for renters so that's a very conservative person that we got on mm-hmm. um ward 12 andrew johnson incumbent stayed on swing vote he he's another person who does some really great things and sometimes does some questionable things but i think listens to the public which i appreciate in ward 13 we have linea palomisano um not my favorite human on the planet uh not not anywhere close (laughs) so we'll see uh what she i mean i think we've expected the same thing from her over the years and we'll probably see a lot of the same but it's definitely very conservative um and not someone who really listens to constituents so that's kind of uh that's that's who we have right now and those are the people that we're gonna have to lobby at the capitol because we need some change and um I think we're going to see rise in other groups at the Capitol. I mean, not the Capitol, at the council um, more than ever. Well, with that, let's take a break. But when we come back, uh, how do we hold them accountable? What are things that we can do? So stay with us and we'll hear more from Aswa and some of her thoughts in terms of uh, how do we need to mobilize our communities? So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our show today is co-produced with our partners, the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. RISE is um, a wonderful organization, and Asma Mohammed is the advocacy director, and she has been my co-host today and sharing about all of the municipal elections. Thank you, Asma, for all of your insights. We really appreciate you. Thank you for letting me share. Absolutely. So we're at the immediate next steps phase, aren't we? Yeah, we have we have a lot to do and we have a lot to hold people accountable for. Um, but I think that's that's a good thing that we that we know what we need to do next, because sometimes I think we have elections and we're kind of like, now what? Mm-hmm. And right now we have an opportunity to to have some accountability, which will be great. So, so um, yeah, go ahead. no, all I was going to say is that there have been a lot of promises out there. There have. Tell us about the promises and tell us about ideas that you have in helping them keep their promises to us. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the three biggest issues um, for me and for, for a lot of others have been, of course, public safety and what our council members plan to do around public safety to have accountability within the current department since we didn't replace it. Um, housing and support for renters because renters have been evicted um, in huge ways this year and then the last year because of COVID and because of lack of access to resources. And then economic relief. Where are 
are there going to be more COVID funds and where are those going to go? How are we going to support houseless people in Minneapolis? So um, first, I think with public safety, just because the amendment passed or didn't pass doesn't mean that the conversation is over. We need council members, especially the the progressive new council members, to enact measures to hold the police accountable. So that could mean a a variety of things. I personally don't think police reform works. Um, And I think that a lot of the council members who are the the progressive council members that were elected know that as well. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be something new that's added into there. So adding mental health responders um, to the police department or the department of, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the department that exists right now mm-hmm. will be really important so then when someone is for example experiencing um, a mental health crisis they call the police or they call 911 that you know five squad cars don't show up and result in um, a, a murder mm-hmm. or anything awful like that which has happened a lot in the past instead you know a mental health responder shows up maybe accompanied by someone mm-hmm. um, and that we have a right-sized response to to, to someone's crisis or to someone's problem, right? Yeah, absolutely. And police are trained to, you know, to take charge of the situation and use force if necessary. So that's yeah. that's the frame that they've been taught. That's the frame that they're reinforced. That's the frame they work within. And mental health professionals are trained to de-escalate and mm-hmm. to connect and, you know, to be able to – so there needs to be some kind of – an. and I think that's what the public safety hope was is that there would be yep. true partnerships out there. But it sounds like you're – you believe that there's still ways to create those partnerships. There uh, are. There mm-hmm. are. And we, we, we want that's, – that's what I mean with – even mm-hmm. though this didn't pass, I think we can still get um, funding for these mental health responders because mm-hmm. we don't need people to show up armed in every single situation. Right, right. We don't. Right. Right. And those mental health responders would be able to do that. So that's one thing that Mm -hmm. I I want to see. And I want us to to reestablish what a right right size response is. So, again, that we don't have five squad cars showing up to scare someone even more when they're in a scary situation Mm -hmm. mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully we do something there with housing. I mean, winter is coming around and we still have houseless neighbors that are going to be living in camps because shelters are either not welcoming them um, or there's no space for them in those shelters mm-hmm. or they experience, um, you know, like addiction or things that, you know, are not welcomed in those shelters. So we need housing in Minneapolis that is not just affordable, but accessible to those people that are in transition, mm-hmm. um, job placement opportunities. All sorts of things that that the council can make happen. I mean, if we have money for stadiums, if we have money for, you know, all these different things that we fund, then why don't we have money for people that are literally living in tents? Mm. Right. Our our safety. We we have plenty of nets when it comes to our sports, but no safety nets when it comes to people's needs. And I, I was speaking with, so I was out in D.C. and I was speaking with a, a friend of mine who brought a friend from, um, she's originally from Africa. And she's like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americans come over and they create a support for us and create ways to help our our society. And I come over here and I see that there are worse conditions in, 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 our, in your cities than there are mm-hmm. in ours. You know, what's going on? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why we, we don't invest in in our own, and why we aren't making sure that we have a safety net 
Well, part of it is that we're getting people kicked out of their homes for, mm-hmm. you know, because we're we're telling landlords that they deserve more money and more money and more money and that we're telling renters like, no, you don't deserve to live in a home. <laughs> so eviction protections are really, really important. And so we are going to push for more eviction protections um, because ju- just because COVID is over doesn't mean that that problem no longer exists. Um, I mean, and COVID isn't over, right? Right, right? That people are acting like it's completely over, and they're like, "Oh, we don't need we don't need eviction protections anymore." A lot of those expired. Right, and, um, and we, winter's coming, and if we look over in Europe, they're having a surge, uh, and it could come here as well, even with the vaccination. And we have it is here. Yeah. We had seven thousand cases last time I checked in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was a few days ago. And over the weekend, in the Sunday paper last weekend, they shared that there were too many cases. And like for the data to track them. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. So we need something in place because our houseless people are people that are experiencing um, joblessness, people that are close to homelessness. Right. Mm -hmm. They need to be protected. So we need more renter protections. People we need actual affordable housing. And beyond that, again, we need real housing that people can stay in temporary housing for people that are in transition in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that we get something there. And then finally, we need to hold um, the council accountable when it comes to economic relief. So there will probably be another cycle of federal funds coming in to the city of Minneapolis. Where are those funds going? Because last time, some of them went to landlords and they went to police departments. Um, That can't happen again. We need this to actually go to the people that are living in literal tents in the cold. Mm. So I I hope that we see that it should not just be people like me, people, um, you know, I I remember we held so many fundraisers for people that were living in tents. We did mutual aid efforts. Um, That's not just on the people of Minneapolis and beyond. It's on the city to have an actual institutionalized way to protect people because they have the resources and they should be using them. What What's your prediction of what will happen on the city council in, in discussing the tent cities? I think that first thing first, there's going to be some kind of like, there'll be clicks that'll be created. You know, these blocks that I've been talking about, Mm -hmm. those blocks are going to recognize one another and they're going to start mobilizing and saying, well, we need to stop those people from doing this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think there will be a concerted effort on both sides, the progressive side and the very conservative side to get some of those swing voters on their sides. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm hoping that, you know, we are able to establish a more progressive block And I think that the first thing that they're going to address, I mean, it'll be budgetary. It'll be things like, um, you know, how much money do we have for for road A, B, and C? And um, it'll probably be some zoning stuff. But I think that the conversation around public safety is going to keep coming up because the Mm -hmm. budget is due right at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And so the end of this year, we'll have a budget conversation with the current council. And then the incoming council, um, starting in January, they'll start, they'll have their own budgets that they'll have to figure out. And especially if we get some federal funding, that'll be a really important conversation. And I think that um, the first thing the mayor is going to do, my guess, is that he's going to try to get more funding for the police. And he's going to frame it in a way that uh, makes it seem like he's looking for real reform. But he is really just going to be funding um, an opportunity to because he is trying to make the police chief of Minneapolis stay in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot. (laughs) But I think the conversation around public safety is going to be the most important. 
Well, and getting back to housing for just a, a moment, you know, I read about a lot of innovative pilots that are being done. Um, and I think to myself, well, I'm, I'm glad there's a pilot, but it just doesn't always seem like the pilot goes into the next phase. It seems like there's yeah. an interest in figuring out, let's try this and see how it works. But I don't see it getting bigger. I mean, it seems like it's almost like it's a check off the box when it comes to housing. Well, we'll try this and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't get to the next level. Yep. And I, I hope that we get beyond that pilot and we go mm-hmm. into something that, that really works for people because we are we're in crisis mode right now. Mm-hmm. Our houseless communities are struggling and we, we need to do something. And like I said, we've been pushing for mutual aid efforts since the last year. And we are not a mutual aid or housing nonprofit, mm-hmm. but we had to respond to what the community needed. Right. So if we are able to do that, if we're able to pivot in this big way, mm-hmm. why in the world is the city council not able to do the same thing? Why is the mayor not doing the same thing? Why is his only response to kick those people out of the city? Right. He's bulldozed encampments. Instead of bulldozing, bulldozing those encampments, why can't we create opportunities for those people to have real housing? Um and transfer them to places that are actual homes and not, you know, shelters with a bed. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, it, it seems like I, I also keep seeing a whole lot of gentrification going on. And oh, yeah. there's a lot of uh, tax base attractiveness, uh, folks moving into to areas um, where artists and, and folks have lived in an affordable housing and those are getting mm-hmm. displaced. So it's a complicated system. You know, we, we, we see and we have uh, a vivid reaction to the tent city because it, it, it's so horrific and, and you can't imagine people living in, in our weather uh, in tents. But there are mm-hmm. other subtle challenges that are going on throughout the whole city. Uh, I have a yep. friend that believes that at one point it's, you know, basically going to be billionaires that live in the cities <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and Section 8 that – is not anywhere near what Section 8 should be. And there will mm-hmm. be no even middle class being able to live in the cities because it's not affordable. So, yeah, I think we're getting there because developers are buying out homes and properties and then um, they're they're developing them further yeah. and making them completely unaffordable. What I found so ridiculous, Lori, is that the mayor and some of the conservative members of uh, city council pushed for affordable housing and guess how much those how those little apartments, studio apartments, were per month? My guess is 14, way way beyond what I would consider affordable. Yeah, fourteen hundred dollars a month. That's not affordable. for a studio. No, that to me is just beyond ridiculous. <laughs> if someone's already struggling, you don't tell them that the most affordable housing that they can get is fourteen hundred dollars. And they invested millions into these projects, and they're continuing to do that. Like that is not affordable. We need deeply affordable housing. Because clearly, just affordable housing, that term is not enough. We need deeply affordable housing. Exactly. There needs to be a different definition so you can't get away with, oh, it's 1400 And it's like, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that is not going to solve our problems. Exactly. Well, my friend, we have to take a break. Of course, I've run over. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we come back, though, we'll be continuing to look ahead. And we'll look at, at the legislative session. Maybe you can give us a, um, a rundown on things to be looking on that as well. Will do. All right. Stay with us. We'll be right back after some commercials here. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and I'm glad you've joined us today. Our show today has been co-produced with our partners, the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. And with RISE, I have their advocacy director, Asma Mohammed, who's been my co-host and has been our source of insight and inspiration. How are you, Asma? I'm great, thanks. How are you all? I'm doing well. And thank you for all your your thoughts. You, um, you've you always been a good straight talker and, and telling us how it is and what we need to be thinking about. And I with that, that, what's that? I said I appreciate you that. I appreciate are. being told I'm a straight talker. You are. <laughs> you, um, you share from the heart and you tell us the way it is. And I appreciate that about you. And in looking ahead... You can tell us a little bit about our next legislative session that we should be thinking about. Yeah, I think that we have a couple of uh, two different kinds of sessions that we'll be looking at. I think we're going to be at City Council or at City Hall more than ever. Um, RISE has been more at the state level uh, in the past. And I think that it's time, I mean, over the past year, we've realized the importance of being at City Hall. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going to, you're going to see us at City Hall more and we'll be like releasing calls to action Mm -hmm. um so just follow us on instagram we're just reviving sisterhood um or facebook or whatever works for you just look up reviving sisterhood and you'll see us Mm -hmm. but that's i think that'll be a really important um to do because in the last you know segment we talked about accountability well how can we hold people accountable if we don't know what's going on right so one thing that i my hope is that we can release updates on what's going on and calls to action periodically so that people have an idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the state level, we're always there. <laughs> right? So <laughs> yeah. you'll see us at legislative session. Um, this year we passed uh, a bill that was really, um, really important to me. And I think that we have more coming. So we'll hopefully work on some COVID relief to, you know, people and, Hopefully, we'll get some more renters protections at the state level, too, that we'll get some um, eviction moratoriums going again because people are still facing a lot of the same economic challenges they were facing before mm-hmm. COVID. And um, until that happens, I I think we really need to stay on the our state representatives and state senators and letting them know that people are still really, really struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think that another thing that will ha- happen is we'll see some changes around um, workforce. We'll probably get some more funding for some schools. And um, I, my hope is that we, we get people who are really, really interested in changing the economic relief portion of what happens at the Capitol, right? Mm -hmm. So that we're not just focusing on how we can save businesses, but how can we save people? How can we save families that are struggling? Because businesses, of course, they keep the economy going, but how's the economy going to keep going if people are at the bottom, like being trampled by it? Well, businesses will not flourish if they don't have customers. And exactly. So we need those people. We need those customers to, to be flourishing. We need those families and those children to be flourishing. So that'll be something that I think we push for over the next several months. And that's what we're going to need to hold people accountable for, not just in that's at the city city level, state level, and the federal level. So we're actually working with some people in Congress right now to get more funding for states that are that are doing work for houseless people and for people facing eviction. I have a, a- closing question for you to be thinking mm-hmm. about. We have a few minutes. Um, we've been doing the show for three years and 
I sense that there has been good things that have happened if we just take a step back and look at the trajectory. And yeah, there's there was disappointments in the municipal, but I see progress and I see that you've been a really vital part of that. And I just want you to just share for a moment how you've seen these last three years go in terms of the effort, your efforts and the efforts of those that you've been working with and, and what you are most proud of. Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is I the work that we did at the Capitol. Um, my friend Sarah Super and I worked to pass our bill um, to eliminate the statute of limitations for four years, and we finally got it passed this year. That was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. probably the biggest accomplishment of my life thus far, other than <laughs> giving birth to my son. Uh-huh. Um, but and then at the city level, I don't think we could ever have seen such progressive people in a city council. And I don't think we could have gotten people to notice. There were so many people across the country who don't care about their city councils at all. And I think now we've gotten them to realize that those city councils play such a vital part in how the city functions and how much they represent the city. And I think there are people who are paying attention now. So another thing that I did was I created candidate report cards and candidate guides for all 75 candidates that were running for office in the city of Minneapolis this year um, for city council and for mayor. And that's never happened before. And like, I, t- I remember telling myself that I needed to do it because people needed to know. Mm-hmm. And these went everywhere. They went all over the place because people did want to know. Yeah. They did want that information. And they wanted so it from a really trusted source that. too. Yeah. Right? And I, so I felt good about that. And I think that that's that's a huge triumph. Um, and so even though maybe some of those people that I really wanted in office aren't there, mm-hmm. at least people know right. and at least people were informed this cycle. And it was a step in the right direction. And what Absolutely. I've seen over the last years is that um, the step that you made three years ago may be making its full step now. Right. So mm-hmm. it is a whole continuum. And I have a minute left. A dream that you have for the future? A dream that I have for the future is that every single person in Minneapolis and around our country feel represented in the halls of their in their city halls, in their um, the halls of Congress, and hopefully one day in the president, um, that we can really see ourselves represented and see ourselves in our representatives. So that is, that's my hope. That's my dream. And I hope that I can be a part of making that happen. Asma, it has been a sheer pleasure. I always enjoy having our time and learning from you uh, and all the good work that you're doing. Um, Likewise. I just want to commend you and Rise for making a difference and uh, being in, helping get people get informed, helping them to be inspired, um, helping them to to go and and put themselves on the line and 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 go in an election and, 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 and get voted in. I mean, you've been a real strong part of that. So thank you for all thank that you've you. done. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us.